this week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me are Matthew Dawkins. Order in the court. <laughs> and Dixie Cochran. Objection! <laughs> and this is great because I've actually just been playing a whole bunch of Ace Attorneys, so I'm totally into all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I did it? Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys love me. Um, so this week, um, uh, we're doing something... Uh, well, not a little different because we did something earlier like this, but uh, we decided uh, I was going to run a game this time. Uh, and last time Matthew ran a kind of Sion Origin game for us. Uh, and so this time I'm running a Trinity Core Rulebook. So this is the um, modern day default Trinity setting that's in the Trinity Core Rules. Uh, and it's something that I'm looking forward to because while I'm, um, I haven't really run uh, a Trinity before, aside from some aberrant playtesting, I've definitely never run the core setting before. And also, it's it's a new setting to the property. So it would be interesting to kind of dig into that without kind of the, oh, this is how it was in first edition aberrant or Aeon or what have you. Um, mm. So I think this will be this will be uh, entertaining. Um, and if mm. it's not, don't tell us. Right, yeah, yeah. We don't hear. Um, <laughs> but if it is, rate us, review us, uh, recommend us to your friends. Damn it. Yes, yes. Yes, cursing at them always helps. <laughs> it's always a way to get people on your side. Well, you know, I think um, asking them nicely at first is a good way to ease them in, but then suddenly shock them with aggression. <laughs> in, in that way, hopefully you can appeal to two different markets and not just drive off both. I'm just having trouble thinking of you as aggressive. No, <laughs> like I, one of the least aggressive people I've been. Oh, well, that's, that's actually nice to know. Well, I mean, clearly you've not... Well, you have played multiplayer games with him, but clearly he's been <laughs> nice to you during them. <laughs> Competitive and aggressive are different. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Everybody gets, gets a little aggressive in Mario Kart, but that's a different kind of aggressive than, yeah. like, me and Eddie, who are like, I'll fight someone. Yeah. I'm never <laughs> vindictive when we're being competitive. Uh, you know, I, I won't just think, aha, there's Dixie, I'm going to use all my red shells on her. Ha! Um, although now... <laughs> <laughs> I can see why that might feel cathartic. Pew pew. Wow. Matthew's got a grudge against me that I didn't know about. It's all coming out on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is the last episode, turns out, you know, we're all gonna go our separate ways now. Huh. <laughs> but no, 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 we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get through this. Um and also uh, uh full disclosure, um uh, this is actually the first time I've run a game for something resembling public consumption. Um in about a year, uh, because I haven't really run for conventions at all. Um, I've been running a few games uh, for some some friends just privately, uh, or sorry, a few sessions. So I've only run a few times. Um, so this is I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie about that. So um, if I do kind of stumble or talk real fast, um, I, I ask the listeners' indulgence while I kind of get my feet back under me as I kind of remember how to do all of this. Uh, but to start off. Um, uh, one of the things that's cool about uh, the Trinity Core Continuum is that you have a number of different allegiances. Uh, and one of the things I love about this structure is that each allegiance is kind of a different way of playing the core game. Uh, so a lot of people are going to be familiar with, with groups like the Aeon Society, um, which has been established through a lot of different games. Uh, but actually, I decided to pick one of the ones that's brand new to this, uh, which is Archangel. Uh, and Archangel, for context, uh, is a, a private organization that was set up uh, in around 2008. Uh, oh, sorry, 2009. 
Count Ort- or 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 Ziez or Ziez. I, I just don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, had uh, uh, was kidnapped or his heir was kidnapped, uh, and uh, kidnappers were um, had grabbed some, uh, you know, a couple of other people along with it. Uh, uh, there was also a quote unquote servant boy that was captured. Uh, he was murdered because they thought he was had no value as a kidnapped victim, and so he became outraged and hired a team of people to deal with this privately and to to, to solve the problem. And from that, uh, they decided that you set up an organization to help people who don't have the kind of wealth and privilege that someone like Count Orziaz has. Uh, so Archangel is a private organization uh, funded by an extremely wealthy family uh, who just helps people with problems when they have nowhere else to turn to. Uh, the game we're playing here uh, is actually going to be based initially in Atlanta. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Archangel has various different cells that work in uh, various different areas. Uh, uh, and even though it's headquartered in uh, Barcelona, uh, they actually um, have groups where they feel like they can do the most good. And so uh, it could be one agent in an area that covers a relatively wide area that doesn't have a ton of, of problems with it, whereas major metropolitan areas will have larger cells. Uh, so... Atlanta is uh, one of those areas, particularly because it is an international travel hub. Um, and uh, this game's going to be set about a year ago, um, some kind of nebulous time before COVID. So um, people are still, there's lots of international travels, lots of flights back and forth. Uh, uh, Atlanta also is a very diverse uh, city and has a, a growing uh, population of filming and whatnot. So it's always been a big big area, but there's a lot more problems happening here so it's worth establishing a cell here the head of uh the local cell uh, is a man by the name of uh, mr garcia don't really refer to mr garcia by first name um most operatives don't probably even know his first name because he's always just mr garcia uh and he um has got together a, a small team um two of those members are being portrayed by Matthew and Nixie. Um, so uh, you two have worked together as well as with other individuals, um, but we will kind of start with Matthew. Matthew, can you give a description of uh, who your character's name and what he's like? So my character is a lawman or lawyer, as they're otherwise known, uh, by the name of Heathcote Pursuit. Uh, Heathcote... <laughs> I can't get over that name. <laughs> he, look, he's had to go through many a year of mockery due to his name. He didn't choose it. And uh, now, if anything, that was one of those things that forced him to, I guess, exceed and overcome more through defiance than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went through law school as Heathcote pursuit and uh, became a rather successful lawyer for corporate fat cats and the like. Uh, by no means were ethics his major draw into the legal profession. He was drawn by the the money, the lifestyle, and even its portrayal in media, in shows such as Ali McBeal and Boston Legal, which he frankly thought made law look far sexier than it actually is. I was imagining Heathcote just mainlining Ali McBeal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I suspect there was many an occasion where he tried to deliver some kind of soliloquized closing and the judge said, this isn't actually how it works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
please, please step out of the well, Mister Pursuit. Yeah, um, like all of his mock trials and in, in, in school. Yeah, yeah. Don't address the jury. Uh, so. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, he came from a life of privilege. He was moneyed to begin with, and he was very successful in his practice. Uh, He worked alongside several equally successful peers, but he then, well, he let a client down, or should I say he let someone else's client down. He was struck by a crisis of conscience when he was... Uh, prosecuting someone who was undoubtedly innocent of what his uh, corporate defense was trying to, I guess, persecute. And and he delivered them up on a platter and got them fined and got them made bankrupt and uh, probably drove them to a terrible end. And he knows that it was through his arguments that enabled him to to do that. Uh, enabled the corporations to win. And he took a good long think about where his life's trajectory was uh, pointing him. And partly to assuage the sense of guilt, he decided he would take on an increasing number of pro bono cases and uh, public duties. Uh, Again, it wasn't necessarily through a sense of uh, actual compassion he felt that he had to atone. He felt like he had to do something to make up for all the shit he was doing professionally. Mm -hmm. And it was only through the steady accumulation of these pro bono cases and actually getting to meet real people and work with real people in the court system that he started to realize this is more rewarding. This is this is what I should have been doing with my time. And so there wasn't some revelatory moment. It was a gradual, uh, I guess, slide into morality uh, that right. has uh, that ended up having him recruited by the Archangel Group uh, because he is a fantastic lawyer. And he is an arrogant man, and he does know how to comport himself in court, but he is trying to be a better person and help people that really need it. Okay, cool. And so that kind of moment where uh, you lost the case, that's your uh, uh, moment of inspiration, that moment where your character became your world changing and you became a talent, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, it was, yeah, what inspired him to give up what wasn't by no means the easy course, but was certainly a decadent and morally bankrupt course. Excellent. And how about you, Dixie? Matthew thought a lot more about his character than I did. (laughs) Oh, I I just made up as I was going on. (laughs) Oh, you're doing one of those things where you just stare unblinking off into the, you know, middle distance and just... Yeah, I didn't even move my lips. <laughs> That's very impressive. Your uh, your, your pronunciation was fantastic. <laughs> Everything clearly enunciated. Oh, thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> anyway, I am playing Sydney Override Strickland um, because hackers have to have cool names. Obviously. Uh so she grew up as a military brat, so going from base to base to base um, with her parents. 
And she ended up joining the military uh, pretty much right out of high school. Mm -hmm. So she didn't go to college. Um, she was always really good with computers. Uh, the, like her kind of passion thing. And also in, in my brain, it's like something that she could take with her when they moved. Mm -hmm. So like her computer was sometimes her, her friend or her only way to contact her friends. Um, since they moved so often and, you know, lived overseas and all kinds of other stuff. Right. Uh, so she became really, really good with computers. Um, one, one might say talented. Uh -huh. Ah. Um, so she, so she, she joined the military and she, you know, went through basics. So she knows all the kind of the basic military stuff. Like she can shoot a gun and she's got a little bit of athletics and things like that. Um, but also she went in there to do like hacking and counterintelligence and some of that stuff. And yes, I know this is all like very movie version of military yes. and that's what I'm going for. Absolutely. Like for those of you who actually know anything about hacking or the military or whatever, no. I, I do absolutely know it's not like it is in the movies and TV shows, but we're playing a movie or TV show. No, absolutely. Uh, um, super clear. This is definitely going to be not only movie uh, computer logic, but also movie court logic. So yeah, yeah, a exactly. So, um, so yeah, so she does computers and she does tech stuff. She's she's really good with most technology. Like she can figure things out in general. Mm -hmm. um, she left the military after serving, I want to say about eight years, uh, just because she got disillusioned with it as well. Mm -hmm. Like she joined it because she wanted to do good. And growing up with her parents, she was like, the military is good. Like they do good things. And then she, you know, saw some stuff that she was not super happy with. Mm -hmm. um, and so she had like probably during her last year of service, I would say that our archangel probably contacted her because mm -hmm. she had gotten kind of like she had a reputation and she uh, declined to renew her contract. And I said, joined archangel because she wanted to actually help people with her skills instead of digging up state secrets and listening in on, you know, enemy combatants that she wasn't actually sure they should be fighting. Okay. Um, and what was, was that kind of her moment of inspiration, that kind of realization that I need to do good elsewhere? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, on my sheet, I do have it as exposure to flux. So maybe like for, for her actual, like when she became a, a, a talent. Mm -hmm. So I, in, in my brain, that happened very early in her life. Oh, okay. And so that's which is why she's always been so good with tech stuff. Oh, that's her. So like, um, our her parents were in some strange place when they were moving around, and she got yeah. inadvertently exposed to flux. Right. Okay. So she's like always been good at tech, and she doesn't quite realize that she's supernaturally good at it. Like she just thinks, "Hey, I have a knack for this," you know. Okay. Um. So uh, a couple of things for, for our listeners. Um. Uh, first of all, through just terminology out there, so kind of explain that real quick. Um. But uh. Both Dixie and Matthew are playing what are known as talents, um, and those are kind of the um, default characters for Trinity. And uh, inside the Trinity continuum, talents are characters that have the ability to manipulate, uh, which is called flux or kind of effectively quantum reality, and it happens on a very subconscious level. So. Um, What's, what's happening inside the game is that uh, you're looking at a situation and as a, as a talent, you can kind of see multiple different possibilities open up in front of you and you pick the one that's most advantageous to you and go down that route and then you're now doing that that thing. Um, this doesn't happen on any conscious level. It's kind of just something that, that happens in the back of a talent's head. And to many people, it just means you're really, really good at your job. Um, from a mechanical perspective, what this basically equates to is that 
talents are ultimately governed by, like I said earlier, movie logic. Um, so they can do incredible things. They can survive unusual circumstances. Uh, they're generally just a little bit better than everyone else around them. Uh, and so when you have a protagonist in an action movie, how they can survive and do things that other people can't normally do, that person is the talent. And, and that's how we kind of explain it. So there is a sci-fi uh, uh, explanation for it all, but it's not going to come up a ton in these, to start off in the game. It's just more that it's there to kind of give context and texture for the kinds of characters everyone's playing. Uh, so, okay. Uh, so uh, Heathcote and Sydney um, uh, both get uh, text messages um, from uh, Mr. Garcia uh, that basically say, um, uh, you know, see me tomorrow, 9 a.m., 8 or G. Uh, you know, he's not very uh, eloquent in terms of texting. <laughs> so uh, you both kind of, uh, you both know that when, when he's asking for it, he actually wants you to uh, show up uh, at um, a specific uh, Marta station in uh, Decatur. Uh, and you've never quite understood why he wants to meet you at a, a basically a train stop in the middle of town, as opposed to like an office or a building. Um, but usually uh, uh, he'll meet you there. He would, he walks you over to a car and you drive and then you have your conversation in the car and then you, get out he doesn't like having meetings in buildings he likes having meetings in moving areas does it seem to us like he's uh he doesn't like the idea of people's eyes on him given how much uh, heathcote knows people and can read people uh, you probably get that impression early on um uh, so to give you a description of him uh, ahead of time um he generally wears uh rumpled suits no tie um but you could see like kind of peeking out from the sleeves and around the neck uh, that there are some tattoos and his hands are very heavily calloused uh so uh he he's definitely um had a rougher life than uh, some other uh, archangel operatives you may have seen um so yeah you, you suspect there's probably not quite full-blown paranoia but certainly an amount of of uh, aggressive informational security, as perhaps Sydney would consider it. Could be a uh, retired tattoo lizard as continuity for you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I love that we're starting this in the place I used to hang out the most when I lived in Atlanta. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, we're going to start out in Decatur Square and like right around Ponce and Church <laughs> Street. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, uh, Also, for those of you who don't live in Atlanta, we do call it Ponce de Leon Avenue instead of Ponce de Leon. As it should be pronounced, um, nice. I apologize. It's an Atlanta thing. It is an Atlanta thing. So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so uh, you both arrive, and, and um, uh, uh, again, for those who haven't lived in Atlanta, um, uh, the Decatur um, uh, Marta station, Marta is the local kind of mass transit, and so the Marta station is where the kind of subway uh, lets out. Um, and it opens up right into what is known as Decatur Square, which is a, uh, basically just a big concrete square. Um, then there's there's buildings all around. Um, there's uh, and it's one of those areas that has a couple of staples, but also lots of changing businesses. So um, like there's a new restaurant in the corner, like every couple of years. Um, but there's uh, uh, local pubs, uh, you know, kind of nifty bookshops. It's definitely that that kind of area where lots of small uh, privately owned businesses kind of pop up and try to do things. Um, there aren't really any chains around. Uh, and also it's, it's a, it's a, it's an open space where sometimes there'll be, um, like book fairs or, uh, public speaking or the like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun hangout spot, which also means there's a lot of people walking around. Um, it, it, it's really easy to see if anyone is coming up onto you. It's really hard to kind of, uh, hide in the area. 
Um, and it, there's lots of different ways to, to leave the area if you want to. So it makes it very kind of comfortable and secure. Uh, and also, it's, if someone's going to listen in on your conversation, it's really obvious to see someone listening in, which is probably the reason why uh, Mr. Garcia always picks this spot. So you arrive, uh, uh, you see Mr. Garcia there. He's still wearing uh, a rumpled suit. It's a, it's a blue one this time, dark blue suit. Um, still no tie. Um, he, he, you've never worn a tie as far as you know. Uh, and uh, he kind of just nods and says, good to see you both. Come with me. Always lovely to see you, Mr. Garcia. And out of interest, do we know each other? The um, the two player characters. You two have you two have worked together once or twice on a case. Um, you've not worked together as a solo team. You usually have another operative or two with you. This is the first time it's just been just the two of you, but you have seen and worked together. Mm-hmm. So I assume the information you shared is it, roughly what you each know about each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he uh, uh, walks you over to a, uh, a nondescript um, kind of gray van with tinted windows, um, which again, you've seen before. It's kind of his mobile office. Uh, and uh, he gets in or opens the door, lets invite you both in. And inside um, there's uh, a couple of like, like bucket seats that you can fold down. Um, one wall uh, has been turned over into kind of a really small desk area. Uh, with uh, some computer screens and uh, a keyboard and the like. So it looks a lot like uh, the police surveillance vans you would see in like TV shows or whatnot. Right. Um, and uh, inside also is um, uh, a woman with uh, cornrows and kind of a, a um, torn up a, a t-shirt and jeans. It seemed to be kind of artfully torn up, uh, but still kind of, in, you know, she's sitting there and she just looks like she's, in shock. She's just sitting here by herself. Um, she's kind of staring ahead, the thousand miles there. The whole time you're walking up to this, um, Mr. Garcia has been his usual kind of short, brusque self. Uh, and as soon as he sees this woman, um, his face changes immediately. Um, he becomes extremely kind of sympathetic. He goes down on the knee. Um, he's very quiet to her. He's like, Nikki, these are, these are the friends I told you about. And she kind of just jolts a little bit and looks up and, and stares at you. Um, and she's like, will they help? And he nods, he's like, yes, they'll, these are the people that will help you out. And he turns, he's like, uh, uh, Sydney Heathcote, this is my friend's Nikki Porcher. I, um, I reach my hand out. Heathcote Pursuit, attorney at law. <laughs> she shakes her hands a little bit. So he does a little, like, mock salute with, like, the, like, two fingers, and it's like, Sydney, so. She kind of just waves a little bit. Uh, if you both could um, make kind of a first impressions role here, um, uh, you can use uh, the skill would be, let's go with empathy. empathy yeah. And then um, you let me know which attribute you think would be best for your character. Um, I think I'll go for empathy and presence to appear um, so, so that I appear as friendly, but also... I guess, solid, if that's the best description. Okay. Someone she could trust. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do empathy intellect because Sydney would be trying to figure out what's up. Okay. She's she's more concerned with the puzzle to be solved than the uh, person. Sydney's not people. (laughs) She's not good with people. (laughs) That works. So it's, it's the, I, I, you're empathetic through like studying ter- character ticks and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Like she has, I have, I have no dots in empathy. Um, <laughs> so she's like, she's like, uh, people? I don't know. Um, I did get two successes though. So 
I also get two successes. Okay. Um, and do any of you have anything that would give you enhancements? I believe, Matthew, you have a suit that gives you enhancements. Uh, I do have a well-tailored suit that gives me an enhancement of three, which is quite stunning, really. Um, but yes, I, I with my two successes, I should hope that the suit then conveys that this is someone um, not just wealthy, but a professional. Um, so with with those all those successes, um, um, she her body language visibly relaxes. Um, uh, uh, she definitely feels like she is around professionals and around people that seem to be willing to at least hear her story. Um, in particular, though, um, as she's talking, she will kind of keep looking at, at Heathcote um, and it's kind of a, a reassuring, it's like, oh, this is a person that, I can, you know, so like she's talking to the whole group, but she kind of keeps talking to him directly a bit more. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so, so uh, Mr. Garcia is like, just, just tell them what you told me. Uh, and she's like, well, um, I guess there's, there's not much to say uh, except for um, uh, my daughter uh, was, was abducted about uh, two months ago. She uh, was out playing one day uh, and um, I heard a car screech outside. I, I went to, to go see, make sure she was okay. And that's when I saw the door slam and the, the, the car drove, drove off. Um, there were no plates on the car. Uh, so I, I went to the police um, and uh, uh, they said they would look into it. Uh, but then just time kept going by and they said they didn't have much to work with. And then they, they kind of made me feel like it was my fault for not getting a, a license plate. They said, they, you know, they kind of thought it was unlikely that there would be no license plate number for just a child abduction. And um, I didn't get a look at them. And so it just made me feel like I wasn't really doing what I should have been as a mother. And she's just really trying to hold it together. Sydney kind of like whistles at the whole two months thing. She's like, ooh, like that's a long time yeah. for someone to be missing. Nikki, it's it's okay. You're among friends, and anything you're saying to us is completely confidential. Uh, and and you can trust us with all of this. Uh, believe me, it, this isn't the first time I've heard of uh, someone going to the police here in Atlanta and not being taken as seriously as the subject matter warrants. That's an understatement. <laughs> Garcia kind of gives also a, a nod of like, uh-huh. So... And I, I apologize for having to ask you something that you may have had to repeat several times already, so tell me if it's too much. No, I, I understand. I understand. The first thing we need to know in order to help you is whether there's anybody who may wish to may have wished you or someone close to you or even your child harm you know, that you may have been aware of before. Uh, because that then gives us a trail uh, that we can potentially follow. No, I, I, I can't. I can't think of anything. I mean, you know, we've we moved here two years ago. Um, uh, I work as a, a, a set designer, and, and my husband uh, is a camera operator. So we moved here when when uh, the new Avengers film was getting filmed, uh, and um, we've just never really had any issues. I mean, honestly, uh, uh, the, all of our day is spent either 
on sets or in meetings or spending time with Jennifer. Um, and that's, that's, that's pretty much our lives. I mean, so all of our friends and, and associates are on sets and to be honest, most people don't pay the, the crew that much attention. So we kind of just all as the crew hang together. How old's the kid? Uh, she's about nine. Okay. Wait, she's about nine or she's nine? Oh, sorry, she's nine. Okay. <laughs> uh, and where did you live prior to moving here? Um, we live in Texas. And uh, and I'm, I apologize if this comes across as a tool callous. This is something that often comes up in cases like this. Uh, are you aware of your partner or indeed yourself having any former partners that may have uh, had reason to harm you or your husband by wanting to uh, take your daughter like this? Um, I, I, I've asked, I, I can't, I, I can't think of anything. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously sometimes we butt heads with the director or we butt heads with one of the producers. I mean, that's just, that's just the business. Um, but, uh, you know, um, before we got into this, we did a little work in the, the tech sector, but again, I mean, those, most of the problems we have there those businesses stopped existing a few years ago i mean you know it's it's you know every three years a a, a video game or a tech company is getting you know absorbed dissolved whatever so like it, it, it's just a completely different area now than when we first moved there um as far as why we wanted to get into uh movies is a little more kind of stability and you know, union work all that um so uh, i mean not not really. Um, about the only thing I can think of is uh, um, we've been seeing some weird people hanging out on set for a while, um, but I don't know if they're connected. And at this point, um, Mr. Garcia kind of just hands you uh, a manila envelope. I open it. Uh, inside, um, uh, you see uh, a report um, from two previous agents. Um, it looks like they started looking into this um, a few days ago. Uh, and um, uh, the two people that were working the case originally uh, were uh, Rosalind Santos and uh, a man named Kamenev, uh, which both of you will recognize. Um, uh, Kamenev is uh, the, actually the person who uh, recruited Heathcote mm. into Archangel. Yeah. Uh, and um, Rosalind is actually uh, a um, an agent that's worked with uh, Sydney in the past. Um, Kamenev is more of an investigator, uh, and Rosalind's more kind of just muscle type. Uh, but um, they were working together as a team into this, uh, and um, they had. Their last report was that they were um, planning to look into some suspicious individuals that they, they think may be connected to uh, what um, uh, Nikki Porcher saw on the set. Um, and then uh, a note uh, is a bottom, it says, um, call from uh, Edgewood Police. And as soon as you kind of look that over, uh, Mr. Garcia is like, says, um, I sent a couple of agents previously to look into this uh, and they've been arrested. Mm-hmm. So we need to get them out of jail first, which is oh, one of the reasons fuck. why I want a lawyer involved. Um, but I also want to find out why they're in jail. Uh, and because this is, he looks to Nikki, then looks back to you. It's like, I, I think there's something else going on here. So I, I want to 
discreetly acquire the information that might be being held. They won't tell you what the charges are? They're being held on suspicion. On suspicion of what? Yeah, that that's the thing. Um, because I'm not, okay. because I, I, I've, I've tried to contact them and they said that as, as their employer, I don't, I have to be direct family to ask for more information and neither of them have family. Hmm. Fucking Edgewood. You know, the cops yep. in this city, they, uh, play very fast and loose with what's acceptable, but if we know where they're being held, we can at least get a meeting with them. Should be able to, if they haven't already seen a lawyer. Um, I just got the call about uh, six or seven hours ago, so they're probably still being processed. Mm-hmm. But I wanted you to meet Nikki first because uh, I suspect even if you get them both out, they're probably going to be watched. So I want a, a fresh team looking into this. Yes. Uh, well, and Nikki uh, just starts like she's she's shaking, but it's like hard to tell if it's out of anger or sadness, maybe a little bit of both. Um, and she's like, I'm just, I'm really sorry that this has been a hassle. And Mr. Garcia is like, this is an hassle. This is what we do. You know, you're, you're not doing anything wrong. Make that absolutely clear. What do you know if they took him to Atlanta city or to cab? Um, uh, Mr. Garcia looks back at the notes. Uh, it's the zone six. It's in Edgewood. So it's, it's here in town. They're probably gonna process them into to cab. But um, we want to catch them before it gets too entrenched in the system. Yeah, that's best. Uh, Miss Porcher, we will do everything in our power to find out where your daughter is and what happened. Uh, and uh, it, whether it's directly or via Mr. Garcia, we'll keep you updated as far as we can. Uh, I give you my word, I will do my very best. Um, Mr. Garcia turns around, like, you know, uh, uh, I hate to ask this, but. Uh, I have to give some information to my agents that involve uh, confidential uh, organization secrets. So step outside for a moment and I'll be right with you, I promise. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. And she steps out of the car uh, and he closes the door. Um, he turns to look at you and um, he he's always been a very stoic man. Uh, um, he's had to send agents into really rough situations and he, you guys have all heard a lot of sob stories like this. Um, but he's looking, you can tell he's controlling some anger here. He's, he's pissed and he's just trying to keep it together, kind of keep professional, but he's really upset. Um, but he's like, <clears throat> I did have Kamenov and Rosalons uh, fitted with trackers because I was, I was getting a bad feeling about all of this. Um, and if abduction's on the table, I wanted to plan for the possibility that they would get abducted as well. Um, Rosalind's tracker stopped working, but that's why I know that they're being held in zone six, because that's where the tracker is coming from. And, uh, he hands, uh, Sydney, um, a small little kind of, looks like a kind of generic looking, uh, like phablet, those kind of big phones, things are half tablet. Mm -hmm. Um, but for some reason it only has one app, which is a tracker app because movies and TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's also like, you know, in, in wireframe and, you know, a big blinking dot on it. Um, but, but you can see that there's um, uh, two lines. One says uh, uh, K, one says RS. Uh, the RS one uh, has next to it says uh, offline. And the K one is colored in uh, green. And that's where the and green dot is blinking on the screen. Um, so it's like, you use that to kind of, in case they get moved before you get there, 
track them for that. Um, I want to fit you both trackers too, because just make, for the same reasons. Um, neither of you are, you have some, you've been trained in a little bit in combat, but you know, I, I don't know how high this goes up. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this is simply police incompetence and it's a relatively simple abduction case, but I don't know. This, this feels above and beyond. I think, um, as, uh, over, I was saying two months, I don't think there's anything simple about this. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, we, uh, of course, uh, yeah, fit us up with whatever you need to. Just um, let's hope we don't burn through too many <laughs> uh, operatives on this. Right. Yeah, this is a touchy thing, too, in Atlanta. Um, I know that you're not you know, from, from stateside, Heathcote, but uh, there was a series of child murders in Atlanta a few decades back and uh, that mostly affected people of color. And it's still a pretty sore spot. So this is uh, probably very scary for Nikki. Yeah, yeah I've, uh, I've read up on them. And uh, certainly the police didn't cloak themselves in glory during that event. So we'll be careful and we'll be polite with them too. Uh, we don't want to get their backs up, do we? Well, I mean, I, I'm sure that the two of you can do the uh, good cop, bad cop, as it were. Uh, um, so I, I wanted someone who I know can work through the legal system to get as far as we can, but I'm also trusting that sometimes uh, extra legal measures may be necessary to dig into where this is going. Sounds good. Yep. Get out of my man. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Before he, before he does that, um, um, uh, <laughs> uh, he's like, get out of my van. This is, oh, wait, before you do that. Um, uh, he does um, give you both, uh, it looks like a small, like a short stubby uh, a needle. Um, so it's like, it, it has like a, a short kind of, um, pincer that you put in your skin, but that as opposed to like having a long tube of liquid, it's just kind of a little stubby bit, that you, a plunger you push in. Um, he's like, put that somewhere in your arm and that will act. Once, once you put it under your skin, the tractor will activate. Can do boss man. And it's just a small pinch. It's like, it's like, uh, uh you know, getting a, get a, a tattoo needle or getting blood drawn. Just, um, and then two more dots pop up on your, your device. Oh, good. I can see where I am. This is very useful. <laughs> yeah. In case I lose myself. Is, uh, uh, it says SS and one says HP. I've uh, yeah, had clients with more unusual things inside them. So, <laughs> so yes, let's let's get going to the cop shop then. See what we can find out. Okay. Let me see what I can find out before we get there, too. Hmm. Um, okay, so uh, uh, on the way, you're going to try to get some information? I'm going to try to hack into the system. Yeah. The police system. Montage sequence. Yeah, like as as we're driving, like, are you driving Heathcote, I'm assuming? Uh, I probably have a driver, but uh, I'll drive for now. Why not? Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm in the back seat, just like with like two two laptops open doing the movie thing. Um, so uh, you are going to do some information gathering. Um, so uh, kind of. Here we are. There, there, and there's the hacking system. Um, so the dice pool is going to be enigmas plus cunning, mm -hmm. and uh, so you're going to have a difficulty of three. Sorry, no two. Um, the, the, the police systems are modestly protected. Uh, they're not like super detailed, uh, but you are going to have a complication of two, uh, which is um, tracking software. 
So you can break in with two successes, but if you don't overcome the complication, then your IP will get tracked, blah, 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 computer science. Blah, 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 computer science, right? right. <laughs> um, okay, I was seeing if any of my skills apply, but they actually really don't to this one. This is just my normal, normal hacking. Right. Um, but you do have a uh, top of the line laptop to give you enhancement. Oh, how much enhancement does it give me? Three. I will take that. <laughs> One, two, two successes, and then the laptop. Guess that's five. So five. So I bought off the complication. Okay. Um, we and uh, I'll tell you what you find, um, and then with one success left, you can decide if you want to use that to spend it to buy a stunts to do something else in the system. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, you do find the arrest reports, um, uh, uh, Kamenev and uh, uh, Rosalons, um uh, have been uh, uh, booked on suspicion of murder, uh. <laughs> uh, specifically murdering uh, a woman named Rowena Simons, which is a local politician uh, who's actually been running on a kind of a strict law and order platform. Oh, wow. H had her murder reached the news? No. They're keeping that covered right now. Aha. Uh -huh. So I am, I am, I'm, I'm telling Heathcote this, obviously, as I'm doing it. Okay. Well, this is uh, slightly more problematic. There was a, uh, a gunfight uh, during the uh, arrest, um, to which uh, uh, the Rosalind was uh, uh, slightly injured. Her, her arm took a grazing shot. Uh, uh, Kamenev and Kamenev uh, uh, surrendered immediately, and Rosalind surrendered as soon as she realized she was being shot on by police. Uh, they are claiming to be affiliated with um, an organization known as Archangel. Um, uh, but um, they have been told not to contact uh, their business because it's a private business and rather to there to process them to try to find out um, what they know about the murder. Uh, and since it's been under 24 hours, um, they're just holding them under suspicion. Yeah, but they found like near her body? The report, you try to get the actual um, report of the murder. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it, it is... Um, Eventually, the thing is locked down. It's like, okay, well, it's probably a password. So you, you, you pull a password cracker out and kind of slam it at that. Um, and you realize, no, um, uh, the case is being held uh, in a detective's private computer, which is mm. way inappropriate procedure. Yeah, that's not good at all. Uh, so you have one success left. Do you want to try to find some more information? Do you want to try to um, do something cool in the system? Manipulate something, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah. I can't like erase their reports because that would look so suspicious since people know they're there. Mm -hmm. Obviously. You can get a date wrong, so it can be thrown out should it ever get to court. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Was like, can I just alter the report that or the you know booking information for Kimonov and and Rosalind so that it's incorrect somehow? Like, misspell one of their names, and you know. Yeah, I think between the two of you, uh, uh, um, Heathcote can point you to. Common errors, you find some police reports that allows them to be thrown out of court. Um, so you can introduce uh, errors, like you said, uh, spelling the suspect's name wrong, uh, getting, uh, switching the uh, month and date. Um, so it looks like it's, it's the wrong day. Um, and also just um, like deleting the link to the murder uh, file. Uh, so mm -hmm. it looks like it was just processed incorrectly. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah, so I will I will mess up the reports. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I mean um, it, it's worth uh, 
us almost having access or keeping a copy of the original Untampered with one. Oh, just I assume in you case. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, I, in I have... case we should find through our investigations that our erstwhile colleagues uh, were responsible for the murder of an innocent politician. Uh, right. We don't want them being set free for that. Right. right. So, yes, I will I will download copies and then I will mess up the ones that are still in their system. Okay. Um so because TV logic this all takes place in like 10 minutes. Um Yeah, I'm really good. <laughs> you're, you're 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 extremely <laughs> talented. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably playing some kind of late 90s techno in the in the car if there's a hacking scene going on in the back seat. Right. With a lot of nice. Doo, boo, 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 boo. We've got some like, some like chemical brothers going on. Right. Or yeah, cameras whirling around your face. <laughs> Sydney's randomly saying, "I'm in the system." <laughs> <laughs> I've I've cracked it. <laughs> like you just get the feeling that Sydney just really likes the sound of the word "crack." Yeah, it's fun to say. The only thing that would make this better is if there was a car chase going on at the same time, but maybe later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe, yeah, well, well, we'll see if we can get to that. <laughs> um so you arrive at the police station um and it's uh you know relatively unscript building um it's a couple of stories concrete uh, brick um there's cars in the parking lots um you know small glass windows on one side uh it's it's not imposing it's kind of boring looking um and on the side you see um zone six police station uh, and you could park, go inside, uh, uh, and there's a waiting room. Um, there's lots of uh, it's kind of tile floor, lots of those kind of uncomfortable plastic chairs. You have just one big kind of piece of plastic in a, in a rough scoop shape with metal legs. Uh, there's a lot of those kind of bolted to the floor um, and like orange and yellow and brown. Uh, and then um, at the end of that room, uh, there's a couple of doors, um, which are both locked with obvious keypads next to them. Uh, Between the doors is plate glass or plastic window uh, with a hole through it and a slot in the bottom. Um, And you see a kind of bored looking uh, police officer. Uh, She's sitting at the desk um, tapping on a computer. Uh, Have I ever, I I assume I have been to this police station before to meet with clients. And that's since I went pro bono anyway. Um, I mean, when I was representing corporations, less likely. Uh, uh, if you want to, we can. Uh, um, you guys have a, a couple of momentum. We haven't talked about momentum yet, um, but you have um, four momentum in the pool right now. So if you want to spend momentum to say, uh, yeah, you've always been here. You've been here once before. Yeah, and I've got a rapport with the receptionist, maybe. Okay. Um, uh, uh, her name is uh, Valerie. Hi, Valerie. Oh, nice hey, smile. Heath. How you doing? Yeah, good, good. Always nice to be on this side of town. Uh, got anything interesting for me today? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there, there's a, there's a, well, I can't talk about the one case, um, but you know, there's a couple of, uh, interesting, suspicious people I got uh, booked recently. Um, I hear, I, I think they're mercenaries. Oh, well, that yeah. does sound quite exciting. As long as you're not being put in any danger. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here just filing paperwork and, uh, you know, looking through stuff and, you know, this, this old computer system. I mean, I just finished filing a report and I go back and it's all wrong again. I got to figure out how to fix it. I keep telling you, if you ever want to get a job at a clerk's office, I know 
how talented you are uh, and how you'd excel with just better systems, better than the city can provide you here. But, you know, you've got my card. Yeah, anyway, yeah, the, I know. The, the reason we're here is uh, we, we got a call uh, to speak to some clients of ours. Uh, they may be uh, a couple of those people you said you can't talk about. Um, and uh, it's uh, Kamenev and, sorry, I didn't recall the second one. That's right. Uh, uh, Kamenev and uh, Rosalind, R-O-S-A-L-I-N-D. Uh, Kamenev and, uh, by the names of Kamenev and Rosalind. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, you're their lawyer? Oh, okay, well. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, if they put a call through and uh, no one else is going to represent them, then that's why I do what I do. But if you can set up an interview room for us uh, as soon as possible, that would be really helpful. Uh, it, it would be far better to do it there than through the bars of the uh, waiting area, you know? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like... I so like she looks around a little bit and she's like you know I, I, detectives are kind of sweating them now um so i don't know if i can get to them right away well if their lawyer's present they shouldn't be asking them questions uh i'm here oh, that's true. so i should that's be true. representing my client as All should right. my um and come to think of it i hadn't uh thought or we hadn't discussed how we would be representing who override is <laughs> <laughs> um, in this, so I could say, and this is my uh, new. This is my new clerk. Um, she's uh, on her third year of law school. Oh, that's nice. Hello. Hi. Um. So yeah, let me um tell you what. She taps on the keyboard for a minute, and then uh, um, something prints up. Um, and she pulls uh, uh two pages out and like peels off of each of them. Basically, they're like print badges. Um, and she gives you a couple lanyards and puts the printed badge in there and say, these are some uh, visitor badges for, for lawyers and uh, legal assistants. Um, that should take you back there. Yeah, a number of times I'm in and out of here, I should be qualified for a free cup of coffee soon, shouldn't I? Well, yeah, you owe me a few cups of coffee now. Just whenever you're, whenever you're ready to... channel looks you up and down, have a cup of coffee. Oh. Well, you know, work keeps me pressed to the grindstone, but um, maybe this weekend? Yeah, I, I can probably find some time. Anyway, let's get to our clients. Okay, so um, you uh, she you, she buzzes you know she sound the right door on the right and you walk through she buzzes you in, um, and because you've been here before, uh, you know that the the uh, 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 interrogation rooms are basically just down the hall. Um, to the left is kind of an open bullpen area of lots of desks where the the various uh, police officers and detectives and whatnot. You know, kind of meet, mm -hmm. um, but then the right are individual doors. They're you know, labeled one, two, three, four, um, and uh, you can see um, they actually have uh, next to them uh, kind of a, a whiteboard, so you can write down which suspects are in which rooms. Um, so you can find the. Uh, there's two different rooms. Uh, Rosalind and uh, Kamenov are in two different rooms, uh, three and four. So which one do you want to go into first? Probably Kamenov. Rosalind's more muscle type so she might not know not know as many details yeah and uh, i'm also interested that he gave up straight away according to the report well he realized it was cops hmm. and shooting cops is generally something that gets you in trouble <laughs> it tends to be usually. usually um so uh you uh, do you knock on the door just barge right in how do you want to play this oh we'll, bar we'll barge right in 
Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's how TV lawyers do it. So hey, did he? Don't not, say another, not word. another word. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Not another word from you pointing at the detectives or you pointing to Kamenev. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Kamenev, like I said, you've seen him before. Um, he's uh, a, a thin man um, of, of by accent uh, somewhere from Eastern Europe, and he talks about where he's from. Um, but um, he's got. Uh, uh, a small kind of scar under one eye, um, and he's wearing a heavy metal T-shirt, one of those logos that you can't actually read what the word is because it's so jagged and distorted. Um, and you know, blue jeans. Uh, he's always you know normally would have uh, headphones on, but he doesn't right now. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, thank God you're here. And the detective um, is a, a big burly man. Um, looks like he's probably in the mid forties. Um, uh, probably would have been chewing on a cigar if smoking were allowed inside of these kinds of buildings nowadays. Um, you know, button-down shirts. Uh, uh got a, a badge clipped to his his you know um pocket. And he's like, "What the hell are you? What are you doing here?" Um, what does his badge say? Um, it says uh, it says uh, Rogers. Well, Detective Rogers, uh, I'm here to represent my client, and uh, you shouldn't be interrogating him without giving him the option to have a lawyer present. You told me he didn't have a lawyer. And Cameron Hems like, I told you several times I have a lawyer. <laughs> someone made the call to me, and whether it's my client or whether it's someone in your office, they clearly knew there was a, uh, there's some bad practice of justice going on here, so maybe you want to see to those holes. But nevertheless, we're here now. So it's time maybe start from the beginning and explain to myself and my clerk here um, what exactly my client is being accused of. It's real simple. You can point at Kamenev's like, that guy and the woman next door killed a woman. We got them dead to rights. We got them there at the scene. Literally got blood in their hands. I don't understand the problem. Kamenev's like, the well, problem is we didn't kill her. Kamenev, please. Mr. Kamenev, please don't say Sorry. the word. Sorry. Uh, not until I can speak to you in private. Detective, uh, as it's clear, my uh, my client does deny wrongdoing in this uh, this case. Therefore, without evidence, you know, blood bloody hands could have been trying to help your um, your victim. We don't know, but I suggest you take a break because we need to speak to our client now. Uh, give us attorney client privilege right now, please. Um, or there will be yet another complaint being sent up to your chief. Okay. Um, go ahead and make a persuasion roll. Uh, difficulty is one because you're asking for pretty common rights in the situation. Um, but there's a complication of two, um, which is um, I think something's fishy here. If you buy off the complication, he won't find this to be at all weird. Okay. Well, I've got six dice if I do persuasion and manipulation. Okay. Uh, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, 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 thinking. I have, um, I wonder if my fame can help here if I'm well known. Let's see. Um, um, no, it would, well, social actions among those who would be impressed by my celebrity. but And I think if anything, cops would probably be deterred by my right. celebrity. Yeah. So maybe not. Uh, so I'll just go for the straight six dice. 
and score not a single success. Oh no! <laughs> uh, now, now, story guide. Can I choose to use momentum? Yes. After the roll. Or... Um. So, uh, uh, the way the rules are written, um, uh, you can do it. Kind of. Let me double check that real quick. Oh wait, I do have persuasion speciality of legal. Right. Specialty specialties mm. work on um, uh, uh, skills that are unrelated to that. Mm-hmm. Um. So sorry. So um. Wait, 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 wait. I just double check that. Your persuasion is, yeah. So use persuasion roll. You can't use specialty on persuasion. You could use it on unrelated rolls. Uh, okay. But let me double check momentum real quick. Uh, Seventy-three. Uh, momentum can be spent at, to add dice before or after the dice is rolled. Although all momentum must be spent at the same time. So you can only spend momentum once, but you can do it before or after. Okay, uh, Dixie, do you have any objection to my uh, rolling an additional two dice? I do not. Okay, let's give that a go. That's a bit better. An eight and a nine. There you go. Now, uh, that's not going to buy off the complication, but it will get rid of him. Right. Yeah. So um, he's like, fine, you got 15 minutes, and slams door behind him. Sydney kind of looks at Heathcote and is like, we probably should have gotten them to get the detective out of uh, Rosalind's room, too. Well, the problem is we're not there to uh, represent her. So we'd have no way of stopping them, really. But uh, good, good call. That mm. was a mistake on my part. Uh, nevertheless, we'll hopefully be quick. Uh, so, Kamenev, what's going on? Um, so, how much do you know so far? It'd be faster. Uh, we know that a, a little girl was kidnapped. Uh, that you were hired by the group to investigate the why, and somehow that resulted in you being uh, caught in a gunfight. Uh, with cops and with a dead politician on your hands. Okay. Um, so um, we've been looking into this uh, and uh, a woman um, of portrait, she mentioned that there was some strange people hanging around movie sets. Uh, so uh, uh, we looked into that, um, found uh, there was a couple of, of let's say, a former fellow countrymen who were working in the area uh, uh, and and they kept referencing uh, uh, someone named uh, Turgenev. Uh, so uh, we start looking into it, uh, find out that uh, the, the Turgenev family are actually local human trafficking people. Lovely. We've been actually hearing rumors of a human trafficking ring in Atlanta for a while. This was a big breakthrough. I wanted to report back to Mr. Garcia about this. Rosalind thought that we should press ahead to get something substantive to, to take back which was fair assessments. Um, so we tried to find who was uh, uh, their, their, their main contact. And that's where we come up with name uh, Rowena Simmons. So she is apparently part of the, the, this ring. But now she's dead. And now she's dead. And we'll call it there for right now. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. dun. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> dun, dun. Of the Republican Party. <laughs> um... <laughs> So uh, yeah, so 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 you have discovered that um, you're actually investigating a human trafficking ring. That and, and also that somebody's murdering people that are part of it. Uh, to uh, cauterize any loose ends, as they say. Indeed. Hmm. Um, so uh, hmm. we will uh, uh, play next episode, and much like we did with the Cyan one, is um, we'll play every now and then, um, like do about an hour at a time until we get through uh, the, the scenario. Um, but uh, you guys having fun so far? I'm having fun. Yeah. Sweet. I always find that I get more like I have trouble like conceptualizing a character before I start playing them. Mm -hmm. And then I find that when I start playing them, they fall into place really quickly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm having fun with the Sydney as that kind of like antisocial, like definitely gets computers, does not quite get people. <laughs> Two of the inspirations for the character were Huck from Scandal, who is like that and also has very bad PTSD. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elizabeth Salander from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so like two just antisocial people who are really, really good at what they do, but don't don't get the people. So yeah, me me being Matthew's like, you know, I don't know, monosyllabic assistant is <laughs> <laughs> probably a good okay. way to go for our undercover work. Totally. Um, love it. If um, people wanted to talk to you, Dixie, about um, your character or about uh, the trend to continue, where would they find you online? They would find me on all social media at Dixie Cyanide. And Matthew? They can find me on MatthewDawkins.com, which contains the links to all of my social media, including my Patreon. Uh, Check it out. Check it out. Back your Patreon. Um, you can find me at uh, PugSteady.com, where I do not have a Patreon, but I do have access to all my social media accounts. You can also find us um, at theonyxpath.com. Um, you can find us. We hang out on our Onyx Path Discord. Yeah. Uh, chat with us on Twitter. Um, whatever, wherever you like to chat with us about. Um, we'd love to talk to you more about uh, this game, the podcast, or Trinity. Continual. I also got to jump in and say that the Zion Demigod Kickstarter is still going on. Oh, yes, you're right. Yes, the Zion Demigod Kickstarter um, is actually doing really, really well. Um, we've got almost 2,000 backers right now. Yeah, at the time we're recording, almost 2,000 backers. And I think when this drops, we'll have six days to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, definitely um, if you haven't yet hit the uh, Zion Demigod uh kickstarter do check it out um people have been really really excited about what they're seeing so far and it's at a great stage so where if you see something and you feel like oh this could be better or i noticed uh, a small problem here um we do have an errata form so you can adjust the manuscripts um a little bit so you know get even better and even more prepared for final release so definitely go check it out it's a really cool uh a different way to play scion i think it's a lot of fun uh, also check out uh, the Trinity Continuum on uh, DriveThruRPG or you can order it through your friendly local gaming store uh, and with that many worlds, one pathcast. cast